0: So we're going to read Isaiah chapter 39 and verse 1. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them, And showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armour and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah. And said unto him, What said these men, and from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures which I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that thou shalt issue from thee, Which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Amen. May the Lord bless to us this reading from his word now i I hope that uh, you 've had a little read of that introduction that I sent out yesterday because I did speak about some of the historical and some of the the uh, significance of these verses in that little explanation by way of introduction and i 'm not going to go over too much of that today. I want rather to uh, find some more practical and perhaps some more gospel applications as we seek uh, a wisdom and blessing from the Lord in these words. And I want to begin uh, by just making a, a little bit of a point here concerning uh, the, the experience of the Lord's people as we see it in the experience of Hezekiah. There are elements of a believer's life that are easy. And there are aspects of a believer's life that are hard. And that is the experience of us all. Our Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30, he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here are some of the easy things then that believers might experience in their life. Believers who rest in Christ are no more under the heavy yoke of the law for righteousness. We are free from its curse. We are free from the bondage of sin and Satan. Believers enjoy liberty in Jesus Christ that is gentle and easy to bear. Believers find it easy to hear the gospel of God's grace. We enjoy hearing the truths of sovereign love and divine mercy in Jesus Christ. These truths are sweet to our taste and melodious to our ear. We take pleasure in these great spiritual truths. The message that we once mocked, that we once derided, we now embrace with delight. Grateful. To have eyes to see and ears to hear the truth of the scriptures concerning our beloved Jesus. Believers die easy. Believers can face their mortality, knowing with Paul that to die is gain. Believers are content to commit into the hands of King Jesus the timing and the circumstances and the care of those dear ones that we leave behind. Believers don't fear death as others do because we rest in peace with a glorious hope that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And believers have a confidence of bodily resurrection ahead. However, some aspects of a believer's life are hard, and let no one come to Christ for an easy life. While we remain in the flesh, in this body of sin, a battle rages. There's persecution to be endured. There is trials to be overcome. No one can read the apostles' epistles and come away thinking that life was easy either for them personally or for the early church generally to whom they were writing. Their letters include lots of encouragement to stay the course and to endure hardship and to press on in faith and to persevere against the opposition that they encounter. And that was true for the Old Testament saints as well. We will discover that as we go through the book of Judges. We will see that as we uh, think about the the ways in, in which the Lord has dealt with his people. It has always been thus for believers and it was so for Hezekiah. In these few chapters from the old saint's life, we've watched him carry the burden of imminent destruction of his people and his city by a strong foe. Sennacherib and Rabshakeh. We've seen Hezekiah's life ebbing away and the effects and the apprehensions that he had at that time. We've seen his faith mocked. We've seen his people terrified. We've seen his God blasphemed. We've heard him, sick unto death, alone in his room with his fears, mourning and pleading and weeping sorely. And let us not think that Hezekiah was above the deepest, darkest thoughts and the fears that any man or woman might have. He knew what it was to struggle with mortality and wrestle with the questions of faith and to battle with foes stronger than he was and to grapple with matters beyond his knowledge And indeed, when we've looked at these chapters, and it's only short, it's only a glimpse of this man's life, just a few episodes from his experience, but as we've looked at this testimony about Hezekiah, we see that he has lived, he has felt the experience of David in Psalm 139, who could say in verses 5 and 6, Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high i cannot attain unto it sometimes we feel very small and insignificant sometimes we feel as if we could we could just fade away and we we don't have answers and we don't have a sense of meaning and we don't have a a sense of 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 enduring and persevering and maintaining in the faith we often feel that we want answers maybe even that we deserve answers for the strange providences of life that the lord brings upon us but sometimes Like little children, we need to just stop and acknowledge. I'm glad that the Lord has got all this in hand and under control because it's all too much for me. So, there are things that are easy in a believer's life, and there are things that are hard, and today. From these verses in this passage, I want us to think about some lessons hard learnt by Hezekiah. In doing so, I want us to consider at the outset the difference between chastisement and punishment. These two things, some people say chastisement, chastisement or chastisement and punishment. These two things many people think are the same. But in the context of the Lord's dealings with his people, they are not. In this life, God chastises his people for their sin. And he punishes those who are not his people for their sin. God never chastens the reprobate, and he never punishes the elect. The content of God's dealings with us. The providences, the experiences of chastening and punishment may be exactly the same. Brought about by the same events, felt in the same way in our uh, senses and in our experiences. But the purpose, the purpose is entirely different those who are under the protection of Christ in the covenant of grace are never punished for sin because the Lord Jesus Christ has taken all our punishment on himself and carried it away. However, when we sin, as we will and do, the Lord chastens us To teach us by our sin, to see ourselves as we really are, to humble us and to cause us to rely and trust more upon the Saviour as our helper and deliverer. Hezekiah sinned when he became proud and self-important in the presence of his Babylonian guests, these ambassadors from Babylon. And the Lord chastened the good king by confronting him with his folly of trusting in the power of men and at the same time pointed out his failure to honour the Lord in all his ways. No believer wants to sin, but when we do as we shall, we have an advocate and the Lord chastens us to show how necessary is that mercy and how precious is forgiveness. Chastening isn't pleasant. It stings. It hurts but it isn't punishment. It is not a display of anger and judgment, but of love and grace. It is a sign we are truly God's sons and daughters, and that the Lord is working in us to do us good. In these verses that we read together, I was taken by the little phrase, Hezekiah was glad of them, that is the Babylonians. He was glad, he was pleased. Uh, He was was delighted at the the prominence and, and the prestige that these important visitors from Babylon brought to him and brought to his city, Jerusalem. He liked it, he liked it. He was glad of them. And to show that he was glad of them, He showed them the house of his precious things. Hezekiah's error, for which the Lord chastened him, was his failure to properly assess what is precious and what is not. And for the rest of our time today, we are going to think about the nature of this house of precious things the first point i want to draw your attention to is hezekiah's imaginary precious things following hezekiah's illness he gathered a lot of wealth he had a lot of wealth and he gathered more and maybe some of it came from the slain assyrian army and these Treasures that he accrued for himself. He laid them up in his house silver and gold, spices and ointment and armour. He perceived these things to be precious. They gave him status, they gave him pleasure. He gave him a reason to boast and to think well of himself, which he happily showed to these Babylonian ambassadors. These ambassadors, they didn't come to Hezekiah and hear about the goodness of God and hear about the mercy of God in healing him and hear about how God had, had helped and preserved the land. These ambassadors were shown the trinkets and the trappings of Hezekiah's own self-esteem. He showed them himself and he didn't in any way endeavour to show them the Lord. Despite all Hezekiah knew about God's goodness and mercy, especially following his near-death experience, the temptation overcame him to trust in something other than the Lord. He knew the Lord, he loved the Lord, yet still his flesh deceived him into thinking these physical possessions were precious. And as Hezekiah's prosperity grew, his faith withered. What he took to be a measure of God's blessing became a snare to his spiritual well-being. Instead of trusting in the riches of Christ, he ended up trusting in his own riches. His assessment of what was precious Became warped and distorted. And Hezekiah's error is a warning to us to judge wisely what is precious and to hold this world's treasures loosely, being neither desperate to gain them nor proud in possessing them. What need had Hezekiah of a house of precious things. Here's my second point. A wise believer's assessment of truly precious things. Under this heading, I want us to think that we are all very much like Hezekiah too preoccupied with stuff and with things and not so much with what is of true lasting value. Moses speaks of the precious things of heaven, which are those things that originate in heaven. And flow out upon chosen men and women when the windows of heaven and God's goodness are opened to us. We're told in uh, Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 3 uh, and verse 1, we're told the word of the Lord was precious in that day. The word of the Lord was precious because it was rare. And I would contend that the word of the Lord is rare today and the true gospel is rare today. And the preaching of Jesus Christ as he is revealed in scriptures, according to the scriptures, is rare and precious today. And we should consider it precious as well the psalmist says the redemption of a man's soul is precious psalm 49 it cannot be bought with money learning of christ is precious Some of those who are younger amongst amongst us are blessed by learning these things about the Lord Jesus Christ from the scriptures. Those of us who are older have cause to thank the Lord for teaching us about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because no matter what we have accrued in this world, if the Lord gives us a sense, if the Lord makes us wise in these spiritual things, then we know what truly is precious. And it's not the number of rooms that we have in our house. The psalmist, he tells us that these precious truths are gifts from heaven. Christian fellowship, unity in truth, worship. Psalm 133. Meditating and thinking about God's grace and goodness is precious. Spiritual wisdom and truth is precious. A believer's faith is precious. And more, Paul tells us, the trial of our faith is much more precious than gold. Even these very trials, we have in Christ exceeding great and precious promises from God who is faithful in calling us and will do it but most of all for a believer throughout all of scripture from start to finish it is Christ himself the God man mediator the Messiah who is precious to our souls Christ is precious to God the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He is the dearly beloved Son of God. And He is precious to His people as their unique, exclusive, and only Saviour. We know this to be so. We know it to be true. Like Hezekiah, we have learned these truths by experience. Some easy, some hard. We have come through the chastenings of the Lord. We have learned in the gospel about being saved from the enemies of our soul and delivered from the sicknesses of sin. We've learned about being supplied with divine provision for all our needs. And yet, like Hezekiah, we forget. We get distracted. We get overtaken. Uh, The the world comes to us and it tempts us. and, And it puffs us up. And we lose sight of the preciousness of our saviour and we replace him with things that are not precious at all. Let me ask you, think, think about this. Was not the Lord merciful to Hezekiah in sending him, the prophet Isaiah, to rebuke him and chasten him? Was not the Lord being merciful in chastening Hezekiah, the king in his error? Well, Hezekiah thought so. And that is the mark of a true child of God. We don't react aggressively towards the chastenings of the Lord. Rather, we delight in the smarts of his chastening rod because we understand the value of being brought back to see the preciousness of the Lord Jesus when we have been dazzled by this world and its glittering pseudo-riches. True believers have the chastening rod of God to teach them what is truly precious. And here's my third point. The Lord himself has a valuation of precious things. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 4, we read these words. It's the Lord who's speaking. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honourable and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Now here the Lord is speaking about his church. The people whom he loves and had loved from before the foundation of the world. He is speaking about his covenant people. Now In Scripture, the word house has several different meanings. Of course, it means the place where we live. Um, But but it's more than just a place or a, a, a residence. And the one usage that I want to draw to your attention is where God calls his church The house of the living God. And Peter says that Christ's people, the people of faith, are built up a spiritual house. And in this sense too, a family is called a house. So we talk about the house of David or the house of Israel, meaning the the family of David and the people who are bound together and unified together, who have been brought into union. So that when we speak about the house of God, here we are speaking about the spiritual people bound together, brought together, under the family of God. Therefore, I suggest to you that we do no wrong, To consider God's church, his elect people, as being themselves from these two principles. The fact that the Lord in Isaiah says that we are precious in his sight and that he calls us his house, the house of the living God. We do no wrong to consider that the church is God's house of precious things with the precious Lord Jesus Christ as head of his own house, head of his body, the church. Brothers and sisters, you and I are those redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. You and I are valued according to what God himself was willing to pay for our salvation. He gave his son. He came himself to ransom and redeem what was precious to him. We are the peril of great price that Christ having once found sold all that he had to purchase and possess forever. Let the thought of how precious you are to God sink in. Let the truth that you and I are the house of his precious things. That we are the house of precious things to our Saviour. Let that thought be a cause of wonder and praise. More than all the wealth and riches of a thousand worlds in a million galaxies. God thinks you are precious. Is Christ precious to you? Then beloved of God... You are precious to Him. One more thought that I want to leave with you today. Not only are our souls precious to the Lord, our bodies are too. We sometimes, we sometimes, criticise the way that people go about pampering their bodies and looking after it and and all the cosmetics and all the dietary things and all the exercise and all of these things that that go into sort of lifting up our bodies almost to the point of being worshipped. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm simply saying this. God regards our bodies as precious and that's a wonderful thing. I've had... Three people write to me recently about cancer. What a terrible disease that is. Like sin in a soul, cancer in a body destroys it. It destroys it from the inside out. But I want to say this, and I trust I'm not being glib in doing so. God loves your body. God loves your body so much, he has made the bodies of his people the temple of his residence, where his spirit dwells. The Lord Jesus Christ took our body, took our flesh, and the Lord Jesus Christ now in heaven and eternally will dwell in a body with his people. Sinful, corrupt and decaying as these fleshy bodies are, full of disease and death. They are being preserved and protected and ultimately will be transformed into the likeness of his glorious body. When the voice of the archangel shall be heard, With the trump of God, then the dead in Christ shall rise first and he shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. This very one, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You are precious. Your soul is precious. Your body is precious. Your love and worship is precious to the Lord. And hence David can say, Psalm 116, verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. May the Lord keep us from wrongly assessing what is precious in this world. May he teach us to highly value his gospel, his grace, and himself. May he grant us to apprehend how much he values us, having made of us the house of precious things. Amen.